Hey everybody, hope you are having a wonderful evening, and welcome to Verbal Tap, the podcast that proves that fighting is much easier from outside the cage. Uh, this is Raf Esparza, and with me today, my new co-host, John Evans. John, how are you doing today? Pretty good, thanks for the introduction. Full, full... Raf, 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 Raf. What's up? Uh, what the hell are you doing? Uh, it's, it's Kevin, I normally co-host, I do the intro. Oh. I just went to get a drink, and you're starting the show with... I'm sorry, what was his name? His name is John Evans. Oh, hi, John. Hey, how's it going? Um, Raph, can I talk to you for a second? Okay, please? John, if you can do us a favor, just take off your headphones for just a second. Oh, sure. Just a second, okay. please, if you don't mind. Kevin, if we don't you do this in front of us. You are embarrassing You me. are embarrassing the you integrity of this podcast, project. which he was, was already in question with you being on it. project, and then he was just going to get it. Now he's your co-host. You're introducing the goddamn show. Yeah, dude, he's way better than you. I don't know what to say. Hey, John, come back on in. See, this is great. Kevin was just a little confused, but now we've got everything rolling. Kevin, are you okay with it? Yeah, you are. Okay, great. So... We have some big news. We went to Metamorris this weekend, John and myself, not Kevin. I, I did not get to go to Metamorris. But that might be why I'm I, – John, I apologize. I might be misdirecting some anger. Oh, no problem. Uh, specifically at you and Raph just because I'm, I'm super jealous. I was not there. It, it was a great event, I, I have to say. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the two of us, I mean, really, like, uh, I hadn't spent a lot of time with, uh, Raph before this, but man, we just really, we were like brothers there and just having a good time. Oh that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Hate on that, Kevin. <laughs> like so much positivity right in your face. You don't even know what to yeah. do with it. Even it you're... is hard to deal with. His voice is so soft and pleasant <laughs> that I just find myself agreeing with whatever he says. The best part about it is even now you're wondering, damn, should I be replaced? Yeah, I mean, you're making fair arguments. I consider myself a level-headed person. <laughs> you're not going to win all the time. Uh, can you guys please just tell me everything? I don't want you to skip. Not even a detail. Just start from the beginning, and I'm just going to sit here in awe. Okay, but did you bring your questions like we, we asked you to do? Absolutely. Okay, great. I wrote down 2003 questions, and I'll try and sketch out the important ones. We're going to whittle those down to about 10. Okay, that's fair. If we can. But, but we do have a lot to talk about. The event was ridiculous, and good ridiculous, uh, but complicated as well. We've got a lot to talk about. The, the whole event, when you get there, you can tell there's, there's a feeling of wanting to put on the biggest spectacle possible. And, Did they greet you with a complimentary white metamorous ghee like they do in my dreams? Where there's like a tailor outside the front door ready to take your measurements, find out if you're looking for like a summer ghee. I no, Kevin, this is weird. Okay. I feel I'm just you have weird dreams to begin with, but this is this is getting a little awkward. I wrote down a lot of questions. They're all, <laughs> all going to be winners. I just wanted to see if something happened. It's fine. Go on. No, we were not presented with a a ghee, but uh, the next best thing of it, they. They led us around. Uh, we were reporting from Press Row. We made some good friends over there, so it was it was nice. Everybody was very pleasant. I like the uh, uh, BJJ uh, press community. They they seem to be a very nice bunch. Um, but we were there. Great seating. The stage looked great. Did you get a chance to see that at least? I did. I did. The stage did look. Uh, it looked really cool. Are we allowed to do full disclosure in saying that you were like on business? Yes. Yeah. Oh no. That's what even makes this. 
just almost that much worse. I was working the entire time, so I was at a conference room. Like it's not even worth talking about. But you guys were at this unbelievable looking stage that looks like the perfect place for jujitsu. And honestly, like it just the way it translates the camera, it looks really great. So um, that's so cool. The yeah. one thing that I think that happened very quickly is you could tell that the ghost of last year's Metamoris was deeply in the air because the audience what do you wasn't mean by that. What uh, what I mean is the audience wasn't even fully seated. They had at, maybe at most a tenth of the audience uh, sitting in there. And then all of a sudden they just go, okay, start the event. Bring them all out. <laughs> we're it. We're going. And you know what was funny? Right as they did that, slowly but surely people start trickling in. And I don't think they wanted uh, that same problem that, John, maybe you can speak a little bit about, which was last year they started a, a little late. <clears throat> it, it was it was a couple minutes late, uh, it, like, you know, uh, like 120 minutes late or something like oh, that. Okay. It was like very, very late. Um, it, it was it was really ridiculous. I remember I ordered it live at my house uh, and – I think I put it on the iPad and streamed it to the big screen. And so I had a bunch of people over. We're all sitting there waiting, Cheetos in hand. And we continued to wait and wait. And it was it was one of the worst run events as far as uh, being on schedule goes that I've, I, I can ever remember. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that was present throughout the rest of the day. Is they, they knew that they had a, a, a set amount of times. For the most part, uh, I'm even looking at the the handout that they gave us. They were pretty much on time. Even if they were behind by about five to ten minutes, you could tell they were going at it like, okay, okay, bam, play, play, play some percussion. It's going to honor our ancestors, uh, and we're, we're going to keep this thing moving. And it, it kind of, you know, sounded like um, the band from Coming to America was consistent playing. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a great thing. It was just well described. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but the worst part about that was they played one song, so that one song was in my head the entire day. Yeah, really brings you to the motherland. You know? it, it does. Yeah. Well, I have a different motherland. They just get drunk and yell. Ah-ha! Um, but okay, so they they start the event. Everybody gets uh, trucked out for the uh, pose, and hey, everybody, they're still here. We we got them, so don't worry. They get off the stage, and then we're right into the event. They didn't waste any time nope. getting started. It, it was uh, <laughs> clearly they were trying to avoid what happened last year, and um, I think they put very little time between the matches, expecting that uh, or hoping at least that most of them wouldn't go the majority of the time. So uh, that way, um, you know, they could maybe maybe make it a little bit smoother, have a little bit of time between, but. Uh, yeah, you know that wasn't always possible. No, but uh, the good news for us is uh, we had uh, six uh, matches that kind of ranged from really good tight jujitsu yeah, really to good. well, we should discuss this. Uh, we'll we'll of course touch upon all of that. Uh, but full disclosure here, uh, John is actually uh, someone who instructs jujitsu to me, so. I hope that those listening would not hold him accountable for how bad I am. <laughs> I am not reflective of his teachings. Uh, but he, having him there was a great resource uh, for 
not just the ability to break down the events as they were happening, but the same kind of enthusiasm that he, he shares. He does a lot of uh, breakdowns. Do you have a new channel that you're looking I do. to do? I'm, I'm just starting. Uh, I, I just recently opened BJJBreakdown.com. Okay. Uh, and that hopefully has a website up by the time you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something there right now, but it's just a placeholder. So maybe if this is not live, then maybe something will be up. Uh, but if that is not up, then youtube.com slash BJJ breakdown is already up. So should be some stuff there. Excellent. And on there, you comment on matches. I do. Uh, you break down the technical aspects of it from a jiu-jitsu and grappling perspective. I do. Uh, I, I started it because I was injured and I had free time and I get depressed when I can't train because yeah. I do that a lot. Um, and so I was thinking like, well, what what can I do to fill this free time that would be productive? And just watching tournament matches is a good way to learn a lot about tournament jiu-jitsu. Mm. Uh, even if you know a lot about it, it's a good way to see new things and to see like what the top-level athletes are doing. But I also realized, too, that for the first two to three years of training, I've been training for coming up on seven years now, um, that even after like two or three years, I'd go and watch top-level events and have no idea what was going on. Mm. It wasn't until much later that I, I really realized like, I know everything that's going on like with the metagame and everything. Yeah. So, And it's very boring to watch a jiu-jitsu match, especially in the gi, if you don't know exactly what's going on. It just looks like the guys are just holding each other yeah. in a static position for a long time. So I figured I could watch videotape and I could also commentate on it and point out all the little nuances. So uh, people that are new to grappling could really see what's going on and enjoy the sport too. And that's a lot and of our, our listeners and, and me and Kevin. <laughs> yeah, and let me contribute. One of the things that I'll say is uh, you're 100% right. I really like watching different matches and seeing different black belts and brown belts and purple belts do some things. But it wasn't until I watched Rafael Lovato explain the logic behind his fights that some really simple things he does made a ton of sense because it's just wildly helpful. Absolutely. And, yeah. And it, it was a great help to have uh, at uh, Metamorris on event on site uh, because. Yeah, we get it, Raph. On event, on site, in the press pass. Hanging out with top level jujitsu, yeah, we get it. Yahoo News was actually sitting behind us. Oh, great! That's just <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Yahoo was behind. Well, you. this is a good time to transition to match number the first. Uh, our first match was Victor Estima versus JT Torres. Yeah, the the fight that the little fight that could, <laughs> the little fight that could. Now, why is that, Kevin? Because I genuinely can't even remember who the first two people were that were supposed to be in this fight. It was Bill Cooper and... Um, no, that was a replacement, oh, wasn't it? Bill Cooper was a replacement? He was a replacement. Bill Cooper was in this fight at one point. I think there's a chain of about five to six different times this one got replaced. Even to the point now where we, we joked about this off air, but in the program, JT Torres was an added insert. In the program, <laughs> yeah, like they're just like, ooh, too late, loose photo. <laughs> photo. Here he is. Here's <laughs> and JT Torres is is nobody's insert. Like he's a uh, he's yeah. a and yeah, he's a high level jujitsu competitor. Right, but from a practical standpoint, I'd love telling people like, hey, go get the program. <laughs> oh wait, just get the insert. <laughs> that's uh, that's where I am. But he deserved way better than that because they they did produce. 
a great match. Now, now, John, what was the thing or things? Because keep in mind, we are talking about 20 minutes of match. Yes. So it's very difficult to like break that down because as I can describe best for you guys who weren't at the event or maybe are trying to recall it, you can hear everything in that auditorium. Oh yeah, it was silent it's, there. It's it's super silent and you 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 hear just everything. Um you almost hear them thinking about what move they're doing next. That's how silent it is. But but what were a couple of the things that stuck out to you about this match in particular? Uh well, okay, so as you explained this one did go the distance. Yes. It did not end in a finish. Um and, and the and this for this event there was a 20 minute time limit. It was 20 minute matches and they just didn't have judges. Oh, it was, if it okay. went the distance it was a draw, if it wasn't, you know, there was I think almost half of them finished, so Okay. Um, so yes, but, uh, for whatever reason, in my opinion, at least I feel like having the judges kind of changed the, the, the tone of the whole tournament, uh, at least I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, at least a little bit, even if it was subconsciously in the fighters minds, there's always that, okay, well, it's going to go to decision at the end. So that's, it's just a different thing at that point. Uh, but for me, this, the, the whole tale of this match was, um, Estima constantly, just nonstop attacking footlocks. He was going for his patented uh, straight ankle lock, which is really more of a toehold. Um, he was going for that. He was switching it up to knee bars. And something that you don't see very often is he was in the knee reap position going for his footlocks because that knee reap was allowed. I, I don't think um, heel hooks were allowed in the gi, but uh, you could still be in the knee reap position, which I strongly agree with at a black belt level. You should be able to reap the knee. It's just a position. It doesn't mean that you're going after the knee. Of course, some people are going to torque the knee a little bit, but, uh, I mean, clearly that didn't stop uh, – stopped JT and it didn't stop a few of the other fighters tonight that were in that knee reposition. No one got injured. When they were consistently uh, in that section, uh, you know, I think we both, when we were watching it, it is, it's so tense because at times you can literally be watching someone in the same exact position, but making very small adjustments. Absolutely. And that's what a lot of this match looked like it was happening. Uh, just very small adjustments that were happening. Uh, so to, I think maybe the untrained eye, it would seem like what's Boy, happening here. Yes. Like what's going on? Exactly. He's just sitting there. Like they're not seeing that he, Victor is wrapping his arm around the leg, trying to go for that straight ankle lock, which is really, he kind of turns it into a toehold against his body. It's like his own signature move. Uh, and then he'll go from that and he will actually push the foot away and, and go for a real toehold and turn that into a knee bar. And, but it's all very subtle setups to that to see if he can get JT off base, to see, you know, where JT is going to move so he can set up one transition to the next. But to, you know, if you don't know that that's going on, it just looks like some guy's just laying on his back, just moving like really, really small movements and yeah. not doing much. But uh, JT did a fantastic job of staying on top. Uh, it seemed like Victor did not care about giving up the sweep at all. During the whole match, he, he was just going after those legs. Um, I don't know if, if it was – some people get a little bit of tunnel vision, and he's so successful with the footlocks. I don't know if he just felt like that was his best move or maybe he was a little tired from competing at the Worlds uh, just a week prior. But he was just going after that, and, it, and it, it didn't matter if he got swept or anything. JT unable to pass his guard, though, so it wasn't – you know, and there was no points – 
So it didn't really matter that he was getting swept unless the judges seemed to care, yeah. but they didn't. They, they called it a draw. Uh, so Now, in your opinion, did you think that to be an accurate uh, depiction of the match? You know, I personally scored it as, as Victor winning the match just because he was attacking that foot the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't upset about the decision because uh, uh, JT was on top. He was really dominant um as far as like the the position game goes you know he he just he defended everything that victor threw at him so you know it was a pretty close fight i just gave the slight edge to victor because he was attacking Mm. more than jt jt attacked a couple times was there ever a moment that you thought that it looked dangerous for either of the fighters yes uh actually there was there was um let's see i I have it written down somewhere i took some notes uh jt went on a toehold on victor and and that looked actually pretty good uh victor was able to get out of it it looked pretty pretty deep to me but in the press conference uh, jt seemed he alluded to the fact that he had like tricky knees some people have <laughs> it's, it, you know it sounds fun. okay <laughs> but some people do have uh that thing that they won't tap to some people won't tap to a straight ankle lock their feet are just too bendy wow. just no matter how good it is that's a very small percentage of people. I was about to say, it must be real nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and some people have tricky shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know. I mean, that could have been the case with him. And he seemed to to mention something like that. Maybe it's very, very hard to submit uh, from the legs, especially the knees. Um, and he seemed to say that it wasn't that close. But to, from an outsider, not knowing that he's insanely flexible in that unusual way that I, I thought it looked pretty tight. So I'm so glad you bring that up because I think at a certain point I looked at uh, these matches and I had a growing tally on my notes and my tally was under a category called, Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> and uh, I, I kept looking at it and being like, Nope, that, that does not look comfortable. Uh, I don't necessarily understand how it happened or how to get out of it, but I know that's not great. Uh, I think that's a, a running theme throughout the evening. Um, but yeah, so we, we had a draw in that match. It was a very good match. I would highly recommend that you go look at it, especially when you consider the fact that JT took it on such short notice. Yes. Uh, he took it with a week's notice, uh, even a little bit less than that. Yeah, he finished the Worlds, and it was days later, and the Worlds ended on Sunday. That's right. He mentioned that yeah. because he was ready yeah. uh, to he, head back. Yeah, he was already. In- it was after Worlds because they announced Keenan post-Worlds. Yes, yes. He was already in relaxed mode, so he was probably eating terrible and just, you know, trying to recover from yeah. the brutality of the worlds and training for months this until is, then. What do you guys think the impact of worlds was one week before it? I think it was terrible, honestly. Like, the, the fighters were all visibly depleted in their matches compared to some of the performances that they put on at the worlds. Uh, so I thought it was it was actually quite a detriment to the tournament as a whole. And they discussed that in the press conference and even Halleck agreed and he said he'd never do it again. He just thought that, you know, he thought that it wouldn't be such a big issue, but it, it was. It was definitely discussed in the presser. And, uh, you know, what do you what do you say to that? You know, um, well, my whole thing with that is like I, I I think it's really funny. There's this weird Thing going on with jiu-jitsu right now where uh, jiu-jitsu is not a popular sport in the grand scheme of things no <laughs> get out i mean you look at like you look at anything all like, these bjj people just <laughs> flaunting their nike scholarships and their nike merchandise exactly Ugh, turn it down 
uh, I mean, you think about the worlds, right? The yeah. worlds, you don't get paid for the worlds. You know, like maybe there's some like under the table deals or something, or like maybe they pay your admission fee or something, which <laughs> is ridiculous. But these are the top, top athletes we're talking about here. You know, like, the fact, and, and, and anyone that's ever trained knows that this is one of the hardest sports in the world. It's as hard as wrestling because it incorporates wrestling into there. Uh, a lot of the athletes don't train like it's wrestling, which they should, but it can be the top guys that are training just as hard as wrestlers, which yeah. is grueling. And wrestling also does not get as much recognition, but still more recognition than jujitsu. One at a time, John. <laughs> we can't save everything at once. I see Twitter Sorry. hashtag save wrestling, save wrestling. <laughs> How about save great. BJJ first? <laughs> All right, we'll start with jujitsu. All right, but it is verbal tap. It is not verbal pin. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing, but <laughs> verbal takedown. Verbal take it's a bolt, right? Kevin, register it. <laughs> Verbalweirdshoes.com. Yeah. All your wrestling news. Shut up, Kevin. You're soft. You know, <laughs> <there's>... <laughs> I like the idea that we're just going to trademark everything. We've got verbal scrap now. Verbal take Verbal now. scrap. Yeah, we owe Dave the caveman. Thank you, caveman. And our next Metamorous fight that was, it was a little bit out of order. Our next one was. Kenzie Dern. Versus. Taking on Michelle Nicolini. Yes. Now, uh, this match was amazing. Did they say why it was? No, they just did it. Okay. And I, I mean, the worst part is, is it's like they just swapped fights. Like they just changed the order. Yeah, I guess so. I guess when you run it, you can do what you want, right? Okay. When did I'm sorry? Which fight was it that was supposed to go first? Uh, no, the, uh, Estima and Torres went first, so that happened. Second uh, was supposed to be Brandon Shaw oh, okay. and Cyborg, but. Again, we're getting there, so give us a second. Uh, but Michelle Nicolini and Mackenzie Dern put on a, a really nice display, I, I thought. Uh, just really cool to watch them do their thing. For me, this was one of the main draws to the card uh, after having seen all the matches because it was yeah. just an incredible, incredible fight. Uh, Michelle Nicolini, if you've never heard of her before, you don't know her, she is maybe one of my favorite fighters, women and men. Like, she is unbelievably technical and just so good at jujitsu. And it's great with the women because they don't have the muscle and the weight that the men do, so they have to be very technical. Right. And uh, she is a prime example of that. Um, just incredible jujitsu. She, uh, just for context, I guess, do people know Drysdale? He's he, he's just signed with, with the, the UFC. UFC. Yes. yes. Okay, so he, she was uh, Drysdale's wife, maybe, or at least dating him. Um, Kevin, Google it. <laughs> I... <laughs> and uh, and then they they split a while ago, a few years ago, I guess. And now she is with Kavaka, who is um, he's like one of the main guys at Checkmat, and he's actually Bushesh's coach, uh, I, I believe. He's Bushesh's coach, at least coached Bushesh at some point. All right, so, Kevin, that's that a sounds right from, from what I. No, that actually sounds like, uh, well, not the precursor, but the check mat is definitely where they said she was at the Metamorris trailer. Excellent. For her. Um, and, but just phenomenal jujitsu. And then Mackenzie Dern, uh, if you don't know who she is, she is the girlfriend of Tanquinho, who just won the Worlds this year in huge upset against my coach Cabrinha. And then in the finals, um, 
against uh, Rafael Mendez, who's never been defeated at the Worlds before, I don't think. I think he's won every year that he's done it at, um, at Black Belt, um, just super dominant, and, and Tankini was able to to win there. And that's so that's Mackenzie Dern's boyfriend. And also her dad is a famous jiu-jitsu practitioner who lives in Arizona now from Brazil. Um, his name is wellington diaz uh but everyone knows him by his nickname megaton because he's a small guy but he puts such good pressure on you that they started calling him megaton because that's what he feels like um (laughs) i'm really glad that in order to really uh call and bring to attention that he weighs a lot they went with megaton what stopped them from calling him you know Gazilla Tom, <laughs> you know. Anyway, well, let's move past that. <laughs> when you had that very tense first match, you yes. could see not necessarily a lot of movement necessarily uh, to yep. begin at times, yep. uh, just throughout. Here, we had a very fast moving beginning. Michelle Nicolini, like I said, one of my favorite fighters in jujitsu, um, just great to watch and has been dominant, um, even beating people like Kira Gracie, kind of. You know, that that was a little bit of like the passing of the torch of that whole era of women, women's jujitsu. Like she is the new queen of jujitsu, in my opinion, Um, you know, unless you're talking about like the absolute uh, winners like Gabby Garcia. Uh, But so Michelle McLean, very exciting, very dominant. And Mackenzie Dern just recently getting her black belt. And you don't expect a new black belt like that to a have the confidence to go out there against the best of the best black belts mm. and just really be aggressive and put it to them, um, or B be technical enough to make that happen. And she just went out there like about a hell. She yeah. attacked her straight off the bat and just relentless. And uh, the thing that's interesting for me, uh, as I'll freely admit, just new to this world is when you're watching it, uh, your brain has to work a lot. Like, you can't take a mental vacation for a minute because if you did or, you know, you looked up and you're like, man, that's a really nice uh, flashlight somebody's got over there. You you could miss something. So for for watching this after a very tense first match, your brain is kind of like, OK, I'm concentrating. I'm good. So when you saw that impactful movement to begin and just how crazy, crazy. these two are coming out and just trying to put on such a wonderful exhibit. Uh, it, it, you're you're just in awe of their their ability to do that, and not just at the 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 level that they're competing at, but in one that is such a high pressure stakes for them. This was the first women's match to be put on a Metamorphs card, and there's always something underneath all of that in terms of it. I, I think it was great for for women's first debut in in the Metamorphs uh, tournament event. Um, I mean. You, you couldn't ask for anything better, really. Uh, just, it, it was like, I don't know, it was like they had some grudge match in their home or something like that. <laughs> like, they just really could care less about any kind of pressure or anything. They just wanted to go at it. And <laughs> that that's what makes exciting fights. And, and, oh, man, this one was no exception. In fact, Mackenzie Dern went out there, and she got um, a really tight toehold on Michelle Nicolini. And I thought it was going to be over in the first five six minutes of the match yeah uh nicolini was able to escape and then they started trading sweeps back and forth and then they're sitting in uh double guard and, and i know people really dislike double guard in jujitsu right now it's super unpopular uh, especially with the whole keenan debacle that happened at the worlds and yeah. at uh, the abu dhabi pro but 
I mean, I think that's just a lack of knowledge of the game, honestly, uh, because it's a tactic, you know, like you're going to play the game the best of your ability. And and if that means not getting up and passing, that's just what it is. So and they were really attacking aggressively off the, you know, off the double guard pull. And Dern was a little bit more apt to get up and try to pass the guard. And she nearly did right in the beginning. Uh, and Nicolini was able to recover, but it was close. I thought for sure she'd passed, and uh, I mean, she was really putting it to her. And for Michelle to to keep her composure for that first six minutes or so, uh, it was very impressive. Yeah, I I mean, I, I look back fondly at that match as a highlight, if not maybe even the highlight uh, of of the series. Uh, it was really impressive. Yeah, it, it was great. I mean, even towards the end, uh, Mackenzie Dern attacked a triangle and then transitioned to the armbar. Um, Michelle Nicolini was able to get out, and at one point, Michelle Nicolini had uh, a toehold on Mackenzie Dern, and Mackenzie was defending very well by pulling on the sleeve of mm. Michelle Nicolini to to prevent the other arm from coming and finishing the toehold because you need two hands to finish the toehold. But despite that. Uh, Michelle Nicolini had the foot in such a bad position and then pushed against her butt, uh, against Mackenzie Dern's butt so far, which is where you ideally want a toehold to be. I I thought she might be able to finish it with just the one hand. It was so crazy. And just hmm. to see like weird unorthodox stuff like that, like you could just tell that they were just going for it. And yeah. It was very exciting to see. Um, this one ended in a draw and I 100% agree with that. Like, you can't, you can't call that yeah. match. You know, that's, it's ridiculous. Um, I do love the girl fighters because they're they're always technical because people are throwing them around. It's just I like the it was a great match. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there's I don't think there's many questions about it. Yes. Um, but it is a nice way to transition to our next match. Kevin, do you know what our next match is? Is it uh, Roberto Cyborg Abreu versus, um, you know, I know he was supposed to fight someone, but it just isn't coming to me off the top of my head. Are you sure? Um, it, I feel like you're running away from this question right now. I am having a lot of trouble engaging in it. Uh, maybe I'll just circle around my microphone. I am actively while you guys trying talk about to jiu-jitsu. get you to answer my question. And you are yeah. just running away from it. You haven't even asked me about my day yet. I mean, it's really rude to try and engage someone in a jiu-jitsu you know, conversation it's, it's really frustrating. a show about Just sit here tap, and try and push the action. I'm just not interested. And it's just, I'm sorry. You, you, you just, I don't know. You, you're not Head like, push. do you see me right head now? Push. Engage. Head push. I'm just, this is just me metaphorically brushing your head back. I don't know where I'm getting it. All right. Well. Jiu-Jitsu fans Was this worldwide. Go ahead. Yes, please. Let's, let's have a moment for this. It is Roberto Cyborg versus Brendan Schaub. Okay. Let's start with this. I do comedy. Uh, a lot. I've never been heckled this bad in my life. Like, I've been to thousands of open mics. I've watched people eat it and just, like, have awful sets this was like watching someone go through that. This was watching somebody bomb. And we're going to talk a little bit about the the ups and the downs of the match. There are many more downs than there are ups. And and maybe where the fault lies all around. But let's let's discuss the main problem here uh, as our wonderful unplanned skit between Kevin and I illustrated <sighs> the fact that a lot of people uh, really blame Schwab for not wanting to get into the match. 
you had a cyborg essentially butt scooting toward him a lot. <laughs> Literally just sat down on the floor. At one point, I thought that uh, cyborg was doing a silent protest, and I just didn't know what it was about. And for me, I was really trying hard to figure out, like, okay, so he's 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 scooting toward him. Uh, I get it. You don't want to go into his guard. We did totally understandable. So what is the strategy here? What what's the thing? Because at this point, you do actively see uh, Brendan kind of running away. Now, this match to the common viewer would maybe prompt some confusion and be like, this sucks. But even to Brazilian jiu-jitsu enthusiasts, as they're watching it, they're just mad that he's not actively engaging him to the point where they start heckling him. And it starts with Karate Kid references. Uh, That's how I knew we were getting into heckling. When you get one guy who's brave enough in the crowd after three minutes of nothing, just yelling out, put him in a body bag. That's how you knew. And, uh, you know. That's when you know yeah. it's like, all right, this is a real martial arts event now. So thank you, audience member. But he wasn't alone. He had many audience members in there who were booing. And it was like a Lucha Libre match because you had a clear and defined bad guy and a clear and defined good guy. John, my question to you is this. You are Brendan Shop. Okay. <laughs> what do you do when you're told that you are fighting Roberto Cyborg Abreu. So, okay, so if I'm Brendan Schaub and I'm doing this fight, I'm probably going to play the same exact game that he played. Honestly, like, I don't know how much time he had to prepare for this fight, and not that it really even matters. Like, you can't make your game world-class in a couple of months. It's it's just not going to happen. Wait, you can't? (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) A couple of years, you can, but not a couple months. Uh, I know, a lot of us just lost hope. (laughs) Uh, I was really hoping to turn this thing around by August. Yeah, yeah. No. All right. You'll have to wait until until summer comes again. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, you know, like... it's just really, really tough, um, and I think if you want to, if you want to do the best you can against this person, and by do the best you can, I mean in a competition sense, then you probably play the game that Brendan played. Uh, you just avoid because you're just going to get your ass handed to you yeah. if, if you play in his guard. If you, you know, if you let him engage hard with the wrestling and take you down, like it, it's just not where you want to be. So I mean, he did what he should have done as far as like a competition standpoint goes. Like if you had, if I had to give him a game plan to try to win, like that would be it. Basically a void for 19.9 minutes. And all right, rock, here's the game plan. You're going to run away from Apollo Creed the whole time. You're a bum. All right. So that, that's the game plan. That, well, that's why he had Rocky chase the chicken. So, <laughs> get him ready to run. Shut up. Stop <laughs> using technical things. <laughs> Not only am I way knowledgeable at jiu-jitsu, I know better film knowledge than you too, Raph. Keep Watch going. me pull a Rocky reference. Exactly. Suck it. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, like, that, that, was, that was his best shot at doing well in the competition, as far as the competition goes. But having said that... Uh, it earned him a lot of hatred from the fans, so I don't know like if doing his best at in this match was really uh, his best option. You know, because if worst case, if he did engage, he loses. 
you know, he, he gets tapped pretty quick. But then it's like, okay, he's an MMA fighter. He's not even a jiu-jitsu yeah. specialist. And jiu-jitsu is such a small world. It's not going to really carry over to, to MMA. But the way this went, this may carry over into MMA. People hated him. Yeah. I mean, he, he became uh, kind of a catalyst for everything wrong against uh, jiu-jitsu. Uh, and, and maybe in some ways unfairly. Um, but in another way that's the game you're supposed to come here and play in this world and in this world that is very negatively received yeah and he it didn't it didn't do him any favors either that he was a, a little bit pompous in, in the oh uh, press conference was, was <laughs> yeah okay oh i you know i i hadn't gotten here yet uh but he was pompous in the the post presser now now why was he pompous uh just saying <laughs> he was saying like uh Cyborg, you know, Cyborg is known for being a guard specialist and mm-hmm. really good with with knee bars, and it particularly spins into his tornado guard, which is where you you're in half guard and you basically roll up on your shoulders and tuck your head between your opponent's legs and you load them onto your own leg. It's an old guard that um, Holeta used to do. Uh, they used to call it the Holeta sweep, where you load them on the leg and you toss them over but you can also go to a knee bar from it um, a lot of different options and it's something that cyborgs kind of repopularized and named the tornado guard is very famous for it uh, and especially because he's such a big guy big mm-hmm. guys usually don't play bottom um, and this guy moves <laughs> keep going stop acting like <laughs> you grow up right now grow up kevin hold on hold on three two one okay i'm back <laughs> I'm not. I'm not convinced. But sure, let's keep that going. <laughs> At the moment, Kevin brought the show back down to a halt. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's yeah, great I, podcasting when you can completely stunt what was pretty good conversation and analysis. You know that's why they pay me the big bucks. Oh, I'm sorry. You were saying he has a very active guard. He's yeah. got a very uh, difficult guard for a huge dude. He's like 240 or 235. Yes. Is, is this why you replaced him? Yes. This okay. is completely why we replaced him. All right. That makes sense. Now. We're very close to the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, but he his guard is known to be a great guard, and it, he's known to to go for that knee bar. Um, and Brendan Schaub to sit back and pompously say, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, but I'm not going to let him take my knee home. Very smugly. In the press conference, after he knows, he you know a whole a whole auditorium does he know full of people booed you like <laughs> I hope he knows I I'm still not convinced he, just he by the way know. he came in he might not and, or maybe not care maybe those are two separate ideas or care yeah um but and doesn't he know enough not to just get knee barred like doesn't he know enough to at least just I, I'm get not into uh, a I'm not sure top position and not get knee no. barred right question well, don't know that that's true <laughs> I I mean. Well, the thing is, is the only way he was going to avoid getting knee barred or getting submitted at all is if he avoided the grappling. And that's what he did. You can't learn to anti-grapple unless you're that avoidant where you won't even engage in the first place, like the way he was. That's that's the only way you can get the anti-grapple going. All of this is crazy to me. For those who want to see this match, okay. Sure, go for it. Uh, I would highly implore you to go look at the uh, sped up version that put it to music with Benny Hill music. Uh, when you hear it with Yakety Sax, it, there is a certain kind of hilarity to it. 
because the the hordes if they had had that in the actual place i would have been okay with it tolerable yeah uh barely but i i'm slipping i'm looking through the rules here and i just i don't see anything against it so problem solved metamorris you're welcome (laughs) at Uh, the fifth minute of a horrible fight they'll just cue the music oh hit it dj (laughs) they could get the clown from the apollo okay john you did get to ask a question uh in the the presser do you remember the question that you asked them i, I do remember the question i i nearly wished i hadn't asked it because it's... i d- you take that back <laughs> yeah, i'm so happy you asked it what did you ask i thought i was gonna incite a riot it was crazy uh metamorphs 3 almost started just to give you a feeling of what happened there um so the first question i think halleck asked it and then brendan shop got all pompous and and uh then i guess the the first question that they asked for the press that I got to, I got to ask that question. And it was, uh, I, I had just asked because I thought it was a good question to pose, whether I agreed with it or not. I said, it's directed towards cyborg. You're famous for your tornado guard. You weren't able to get him there a lot because of his, uh, because he was uh, avoiding the whole ground game. Um, but a couple of times he did get into your, uh, half guard. So, you weren't able to get your tornado guard to work those few times. Uh, is it because it was Nogi or is it just because of his avoidant nature? And he uh, uh, continued to get very upset and start yelling. And uh, then Shab started yelling. And Well, look, I think it was a great question. That's a fair <laughs> question. But I think the idea was um, – and I think this is something that kind of came up a little bit more uh, when people had more time to reflect because obviously he was able to, you know, he was able to win. There was no, I mean, there was a great moment when somebody yelled out uh, after two decisions uh, right at the end of that match. And they're like, and the result of this fight. And someone goes, it's a draw. <laughs> and I said, uh, that is pretty funny. I do want to read something that I thought was kind of interesting. Kev, are you part of Cyborg's email list? Because I know I am. No, I'm not. should. I think you would enjoy it. Anyway, uh, I'm going to do a really shitty impression of him reading this, okay? I love his videos. Oh, yeah. Videos are great. Okay? Are you ready for this? Yeah. First of all, let me say I apologize (laughs) for frustration that you and I both feel about match with Brian Schaub. That guy didn't want to fight. He came to do something, but it wasn't fight with me. It was very frustrating. But in the end, he has to live with that performance. Thanks, Metamorphos. <laughs> Rafael Lovato is releasing his new submission series DVD called Seal the Deal and has given away three awesome free moves. Hey, and also, Brandon, if you're reading this, you should definitely watch these. <laughs> Smiley face. Emoticon. Okay, I'm out. Cyborg. That's my shitty cyborg, everybody. It's not terrible, because he does have kind of a sunny disposition when he talks. Like, he, he seems a little more joyful than... I mean, honestly, see him. from the, the very few times that I've really, like, listened to him, I've just been like, well, that's generally the, the thing. <laughs> that's generally yeah. the voice I hear in my head when he talks. 
Cage. But can you put a disclaimer in there for him to not beat me up for oh, your impersonation oh, of him? <laughs> Tell you what, here's the thing. John, you sound way too quick to get beaten up by Cyborg. <laughs> Just uh, well, you know, move laterally, you'll be fine. Kev, you think we've we've discussed that one enough? That one... We it deserve this much time. I agree, <laughs> but I do. We do have two big fights left, if I'm correct. Well, uh, we have two or three. three. We have three fights. Three fights left. Uh, at this time, so anyway, they we thought we were getting an intermission. Instead, we got a big surprise announcement. Yeah, what's that announcement? They announced uh, Eddie Bravo is going to be having his rematch finally. After all of these years against Hoyler Gracie, it's a rematch that uh, is going to take place. It's going to be the grudge match from their first fight in which Eddie Bravo, uh, in most people's opinions, tragically beat Hoyler at the ADCC tournament. And I think that was in the early 2000s, maybe? I think it's 2003. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I could be so wrong on it, this. I, it, that sounds about right. It was somewhere around it's there. It's somewhere in that era. Let's yeah. just say that. It was in a Bush era. It was well before it started moving away from Abu Dhabi. That's what I remember. Thanks, Kev. So. <laughs> I, I will say this. I think the, the most interesting aspect of of their rematches, uh, I'm so glad they decided to do it now because I was really afraid this was going to get settled at like an old person's home and none of us would ever get to see it. Well, I mean, Hoyler is not exactly a spring chicken. I agree. <laughs> I think that alone, I mean, he was named as the most dominant grappler of the 90s, I believe. Yeah. Like the most by Greasy Mag, I think it was Greasy Mag. Yeah, uh, I mean that's you know it's it's the the teens right yeah, now. Yeah. So that was a long long time ago. You yeah. think like ninety three? That was twenty years ago. As an athlete, oh my god, we yeah, all got so I know, old. I know, so quick. I know. Uh, as an athlete, that is. Thanks for bringing your friend on, Raph. <laughs> brighten our day. I know we're. <laughs> We're all feeling our age right now. I just realized my back hurt right as he said that. Well, that was the big announcement. Then after that, then we got uh, we got a, a, an appearance by Hoist Gracie, and I don't know how they pulled that off. I don't know how they got Hoist to make an appearance at a Gracie uh, family reunion run event. A family reunion run event is maybe the best way to yeah. describe this. Yeah, well, you know, probably threw a lot of money at it and, mm. you know, made wishes. And... I'm pretty sure it, it involved a very, very heavy Thanksgiving discussion. Maybe they offered to mow his lawn if you did <laughs> yeah. the thing. They did, like, a family arrangement. That's a pretty good deal. I'd do that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, right? Yeah, no problem. I'm done and done. <laughs> I, I just love that, you know, getting to see Hoist is always great, so why not? We'll take a few minutes to see it. They scheduled 20 minutes for him. I don't even remember if it went 20 minutes. felt like it went faster than that. For Hoist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I thought it was, he just like came out. What's up, everybody? I, th- I think I was in the concession stand, so I don't know. I, I barely even remember him. <laughs> Sorry, Hoist. You're, you're the reason I got into grappling, so don't don't put that up instantly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, now after intermission... Uh, we have a uh, friend of the show, Rafael Lovato Jr., taking on Andre Galvo. Let's start with this. In the press conference, it was noted that the two of them, uh, it started with this. It just said that they thought it was a, like kind of a lackluster, almost lower energy feel to it. Uh, now, we mentioned earlier that Worlds 
did have kind of an impact uh, on some of the the athletes that were in this event. And I think to a certain extent you can make the argument here because these are two very high-level competitors. Uh, and you do wonder what it would look like had Worlds not been, you know, a week before and had both of them not been competing uh, just in that way. Doing a training camp that's supposed to be for both of those events seems very difficult because they are two completely different realms am am i right here absolutely okay yeah (laughs) so let's begin with that but let's also acknowledge the fact that it was a i thought it was a good match because at least you you could see even though maybe they weren't going amazing 150 percent as aggressive as the both of them normally are didn't mean that they didn't have an aggressive match no, actually, I, I I don't even know what people were watching when they say that it was a lackluster match because I thought this one was, uh, to me, this one is very exciting. Yeah. Um, very good match. Uh, definitely top three of the night for me. Um, and, uh, I mean, you talk about Galon, like, yeah. oh, my God, that guy is passing unreal just how dynamic he is that guy is just oh i I love it i I love love his game you know we talk about the passing did are we should we acknowledge the joke that galvo had at the end (laughs) of the match which was uh galvo very sweetly at the end of the the match which he he won uh, by decision going the full 20 minutes just goes uh as rafael's talking uh, in the post, he just goes, I want to say a quick plug for uh, Rafael Lovato's pressure passing system, which uh, I, I used. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so a credit to both uh, both performers, uh, but also maybe to Rafael for not uh, learning how to beat himself. <laughs> but talk about yeah, yeah, great system. It was really interesting to watch these two engage because and I think most people who watch high level jiu-jitsu will agree there may not necessarily be something that's happening or like a submission that happens or it may go to a decision but there may be so many little technical intricacies that you you just learn that just in watching them uh, you know we got the chance to, to actually get to say a quick hello to, to Rafael and uh, even though he didn't win the match, I just went up to him and I was just like, thank you. Like, that was really cool to learn, like, uh, for, even from where I'm at. Like, just watching what you guys are doing is, like, insane. It doesn't make any you sense. St- but, wow. You still get the feeling both of them were trying to finish the fight. They were at both looking time. for spots to finish the fight. It just wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, both of them just – it's a great respect to both of them knowing each other's game very well. And, and respecting it to to a good extent, uh, I think even as they were gaining their grips during uh, the bulk of the match, uh, it, it was a very very uh, you could just see how they were cautious, but at the same point, uh, one of them knowing that if there's going to be a small mistake, it's it's done. And at Lovato's level, you know, when he did get passed a couple times. We're talking about maybe two or three times that really were significant in a 20-minute match, which I, I still can't fathom in my brain. But 
highly impressive jujitsu. John, uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, you you said it really. Uh, it was it was just they're just both very very good. Lovato, maybe not. I mean, I think Lovato, other than BJ Penn, he was so BJ Penn being the first. He I think Lovato was the second American to win a black belt uh, jujitsu title at the Worlds. Did you hear that, Kevin? Yes. <laughs> do you, do you, do you know that for sure now, Kevin? That's worlds. That's not the Brasilias. Thank you, Brasilia. Kevin. Made They're made different. the mistake of telling Rafael during our interview. Congratulations on being the second American to win the Brazilian national nationals. Hmm. Yeah, me and Meta Morris got it wrong. It was phrasing on that. The only it was. Yeah, completely sure. off base with your bad journalism. It was phrasing on mine too, <laughs> except one of us was hosting a huge event, supposedly highlighting the. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Go yeah, on, Rafael yeah. Lovato is one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> good save. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, just they're they're both really good. Uh, Lovato maybe not having the best tournament performances uh, lately, yeah. although he did he did win the the Brazilian Nationals. Just, you know, he's very very good. Um, but then doing really well in the Metamoris last year. Uh, so this this format seems to favor him. He's maybe not such a point player. So it was really interesting to see a top guy that is going to be even better in this format go up against another top guy that's that is great in any format. And Kevin, maybe you can elaborate on this. When he talked to us, didn't he describe the idea that he grew up with a lot of no-timed matches? And my favorite story was that he was like, we just didn't even have a clock. So we just trained until someone submitted. It didn't matter how long it was. It was like, okay. He goes, yeah, I can see how that is. <laughs> you just start training. And uh, he's like, we just went. And he, he was, like, he was right. mentioned. He's like, yeah. And I think after an hour, we'd just both be like, okay. Yeah. yeah occasionally, they'd have to just call it because they'd have like dinner plans. Right. It's understandable. <laughs> that's that's good. That training makes you good, though. That's, that's uh, grueling, but... Oof, that's a good way to get better. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it shows it. it. Anytime he comes to a format like this, he does exceptionally well. And he, it was just great because it was really cool because uh, Andre Galvão is not, he's, he's about my size. He's, he's a little bit taller. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I'm only 5'9". I'm not, I'm not a big guy, but he's a bit wider than I am. So, uh, to see him fight Lovato, who I think Lovato competes at heavyweight. Yes. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely the larger person. But Andre Galvão, because of his weight, tends to compete against the heavier people. And, and mm. that's always interesting to me because when somebody has that much more leverage on you, because if you think about, mm. you know, like a crowbar, the, the further away you are from the fulcrum point, the little the little point that you jam in the door or whatever. Cause yeah. you know, when I break into Roth's house with the cyborg and <laughs> you're in my house now, <laughs> this is the worst plan you've ever constructed. Raph, That's like, where he sleeps. Cyborg. <laughs> cyborg. will start doing that roll into your room. That would be a creepy thing to wake up. I think you know how to beat him. You just punch him in the face a couple <laughs> of times and run away. Uh, good to go. I love the fact that Kevin now has formed an alliance with you. And I, yeah. Don't like 
It's you, me, Kevin. Uh, so we're an hour and twenty six in. It's what that's what it took us, John, to finally come against you. This is part of his plan to keep us apart. God damn it! Uh, I'm the Yoko of you two. Talk to me about the uh, crowd noises during this match because it seemed like they got really jacked for some flying armbar attempts. Oh man, the, everyone was just went crazy as soon as. As soon as Galval went for that attempt, I mean, it was just out of the blue. And the cool thing about it was both of them being, you know, even though Galval significantly shorter than uh, than Lovato, maybe not smaller by weight, probably a little bit smaller, but not not as bad as as the height deficit was. Uh, they were both going for top position. They both wanted to be on top. So then it turned into a little bit of a judo match, which uh, a lot of stalemating fighting for grips, and uh, I'm not really positive on how good Lovato's stand-up is, but being that much bigger than someone is a definite advantage in the stand-up if you're at least decent with it. Uh, Galvao has worked a ton on his wrestling and his wrestling with the gi, which really changes the feel of the wrestling. You have collar grips now that help your singles and doubles, and uh, you've got a lot of little tricks you can hold on to the pants. And so he can be very tough to handle on the feet. And it was interesting to see them both going for the takedown. But because of that, they spent a lot of time on the feet. And then out of nowhere, Galval, you could just tell, he, he realized, like, this maybe this isn't working. Yeah. I'm just going to go for this arm. And he set that thing up beautifully, and he yeah. jumped on it. And yeah. uh, he got his legs all the way around. Uh, it looked like I thought he was going for a a tr- flying triangle, but um, maybe he was going for the arm bar. They're pretty similar setups, so even sometimes when you go for the arm, you still throw the leg around the head the same way. But uh, either way, he got up there and held on to it, and it just the crowd went crazy because yeah. they were just having this this really tough match on the feet and just not a lot happening there but they were both trying for very valid stuff it just the other person was too good and they're countering yeah. it so you weren't seeing a ton of like explosive action and then all of a sudden that out of nowhere and people were just going crazy it was awesome to see it was it was truly uh, a great great match to to get to witness live and uh i don't you know i don't think anybody who who watched that says that wasn't a good investment of my time Absolutely. Like I said, you would have to really not know what's going on to to, to not appreciate that match, and and that's totally understandable. If you're not, if you haven't been training jujitsu at all, or even for less than maybe a year or, or two, um, that that could have still been a boring match to the to the casual observer. But if you know, really know what was going on in that match, that match was very exciting. Um, and I mean. Lovato then, of course, defended the triangle really well, mm-hmm. got got Galvao down, and they went back to the feet, I believe. Uh, they're going back and forth, and Galvao, I loved his strategy in this match because he was willing to mix it up. You never once saw Lovato um, you know, give up that top position mm-hmm. and just try to get to his guard and, and do something. I mean, maybe maybe towards the end he flopped down because he knew he was in a real bad position or something, but Galval was using that as a strategy to mix it up so he, so so Lovato wouldn't know where he was coming from. He was trying his judo sweeps, and then all of a sudden he'd pull guard and try for, um, try for a sweep really quickly, and he got him a couple of times. Yeah. And just mixing it up like that, you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know. He wants to stand up, clearly, so you've got to stand up and fight him there because you want the yeah. top two. But then all of a sudden he's pulling guard and going for a quick sweep 
sweep. So it's very confusing. And then if you didn't get it, he'd pop right back to the feet. Yeah. So you couldn't be lazy on the feet, too. Normally, you either get a guard player or a top player, and you know what they're going for. So you don't have to worry about that. You know if they pull guard, they're not going to pop back to their feet and try to t- take you down. But with Galval, you get that, and that is dangerous. Um, and it, one of the things that like is ingrained in my brain was uh, at some point, because of the mixing it up, just there seeming like there was going to be a, a great Kimura uh, opportunity that was happening late in the match. Yes. That when you're watching it, you're just like, well, that's a uh, Lovato's go-to move. Like he has a high percentage. He was telling us the percentage of how many times he, he's able to pull that off. And uh, for Galvo to really open up that opportunity, it was just, it was, so, it was something kind of spectacular to see. And because of how familiar Lovato was in it, uh, able to defend it very well to the point where I think that was after he survived that, we knew we were going to a decision, uh, at least in my brain. I just kind of was like, uh, I think we're at a standstill for the rest of the match. Yeah, it was It really, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel that Galval really had Lovato in a lot of danger. Right. Like, definitely was threatening stuff constantly, but right. nothing where I felt like, okay, Lovato's going to lose right yep. here. Ne- never once did I feel that way, which is amazing because you could really tell he was starting to wear Lovato down and his passing was stifling. Yeah. And he was His passing is just so good and dynamic. Like I said, like he will start maybe with like a, a an over-under pass to one side, break it off into something that, that looks like a leg weave pass and then jump to the other side and then make it into a... Into a uh, uh, leg drag pass and it's just oh just mixing it up like that and being so confident and fluid going back and forth um then he's able to pass the guard because it's just so confusing and it's just a constant onslaught of of what's next and yeah. and he was able to utilize that greatly and, and pass but even with all of that still only pass i believe two or three times yeah. at the end and then every time Gal- uh, Lovato got his guard back, so he he yeah. wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to accept yeah. that. It, it, it was just great to see on both sides. Yeah. So I, I I definitely feel like Galval had the edge in that match, yeah. but uh, it wasn't any kind of a blowout or no, anything. no, no. But yeah, oh god, I'll watch that again later. Kev, would you like to throw to our next match? Um, I know it's Estima versus Vieira. That is correct. That's it. Have you seen this match what? yet, Kev? I haven't seen this match. I've read about this one, but it's uh, that one and the JT Torres one I haven't seen yet. Okay. Um, I don't, how do? But I like both these fighters. You should. I like both these guys. Let's start with this. This is another one of the situations where the question of worlds lingers over a, a little bit you you just feel its presence here and maybe none more so than the fact that you get a decision and was it you had a Stima who just was it Stima at the end of it who just couldn't get up no that was Adolfo. it was Odolfo you're right yes I just remembered they actually had to conduct the interview with him sitting down because he had just he was exhausted oh he looks just worn out. Yeah. Oh. Now, what contributed to that aside from worlds, which we we've kind of established was something that was uh, something that took out of him from the match. What was it that took so much out of him in there? Well, it's interesting. The worlds once again, not only directly, but this time indirectly contributed to it as well. So, of course, both of them tired from the worlds. Uh, but in the worlds, Braulio 
was injured when he fought the final against Galvao. He hurt his finger, and it, uh, I saw a picture of it today, and it was swollen. It was huge. Wow. It, it looked like he was like holding a grapefruit in there. So it was really bad. Um, and so because of that, it changed his whole strategy for this match. He continually went to what he we now know is called the Galaxy Guard, which is a, an unusual foot in the lapel guard, where he holds the lapel with one hand and he puts his foot... Uh, into that little nook that he's made with the lapel. And that way he can essentially leg press someone off of him, no matter how far past their guard uh, they seem. And so he used, that was his main, uh, his main point of attack because he couldn't even use his other hand. So uh, that indirectly changed the course of it too, because if he hadn't used this, this technique, who knows what would have happened. It would have just been a different match. And Hadolfo came out there, and Hadolfo had some grueling matches at the Worlds before, and he went out there and he just does what Hadolfo do, does, which is, you know, he, he didn't have to even utilize his judo. Of course, Braulio, having a great guard, went right to guard, and so he didn't even have to try to take him down, just went right there, right where Hadolfo likes it. Hadolfo is one of the greatest passers of our time, even though he's like 22 or something ridiculous yeah. like that, which <laughs> makes me sick. Uh, but his passing game is, oh, it's just crushing and constant, and uh, very few people can withstand his his passing. Uh, very few people in the world, uh, as you know, he's captured the the absolute title at the world championship, which is the best you can do in a gi tournament. It's it's just the the highest you can go. So uh, for him, he was just doing playing his same game, which he's amazing at just passing, passing, passing. And it was 10 minutes of attempting to pass Braulio's guard before he secured his first pass. And, And he never stopped and rested. It was just constant passing. He'd pass, it seemed like he was passed, then Braulio would use that foot in the mm-hmm. lapel, the galaxy guard, put him right back into his guard. Rinse and repeat for 10 minutes straight. Yeah. It, it, was, it was getting exhausting just to watch it. It, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, and at first, I thought, for sure, Braulio is getting too tired because he's just leg pressing mm. Hadolfo off. But then as it went on, you just realize like, how much work goes into passing and how how much it it took its toll on Hadolfo from the worlds a week before too. And with all of that combined, even though he was eventually able to pass, uh, I believe twice he passed once finally. And then, and cause he, he, uh, Braulio did not have the galaxy guard anymore. He was able to get side control. And then when he moved to North South, Braulio, I, I think he got the galaxy guard again, if, if my memory serves right. And then just put him right back in guard yeah. again. That was the first time Adolfo passed. The second time he passed, and Braulio still had the Galaxy Guard, but Braulio, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, we found out later in the press conference, he knew he had to make something work because he hadn't really done anything offensive. Mm-hmm. So he baited his arm. He threw his arm out there. Adolfo jumped all over and went for a 180 arm lock, even though he was in the Galaxy Guard. That didn't stop him. Um, and then Braulio escaped that. And part of the reason that he escaped is because Hadolfo was so ruined at the yeah. end of this match. He, it was very obvious just from looking at him. He was so tired. And then Braulio got on top and started attacking the back. And then at the very end, they both kind of went back to their guards. And it just ended in double guard. Uh, there was only about maybe 30 seconds left when, when Hadolfo attacked that final 180 arm lock. So um, it, it went from the 180 arm lock to Braulio coming out to attacking the back to them both in double guard all in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and then Hadolfo couldn't even stand afterwards. Yeah. Despite 
and and I agree with this decision. He he did get the decision on this one. He you know he he was doing all of the passing, even though he's put back in guard. You just it's hard to make an argument for Braulio winning that fight just because he never threatened. It, you know, at the very least, Hadolfo passed the guard a couple of times cleanly, um, but. Braulio never once had a very clean attack on Hadolfo, even though he just stifled him like crazy. And obviously, Hadolfo is so tired at the end of the match. He, if it had gone another ten minutes, Hadolfo probably would have died of exhaustion or something. You know, he was—he just looked really—he looked like BJ Penn after that fight that he had, uh, where he had to be hospitalized for exhaustion. Yeah, um, I don't even remember who it was he fought. Maybe was it, it Saint Pierre? I thought it was Saint Pierre yeah, when they I had to it, cart him off, yes. and they almost had to uh, yeah. uh, throw in the towel essentially. For yeah, him. it was. He, he looked that bad. Yeah, it was, it was about comparable to that. And even in the press conference after, he looked pretty bad. And then, warm, of warm. course, being like 21 or 22 at the after party, he was just spry and ready to go. Wow. <laughs> a couple hours and a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> I, I definitely want to go up to him and be like, hey, hey, aren't you supposed to be more tired? I know. I was shocked. Uh, I, but, I expected him, but, you know, you're but, not young. You recover you recover quite, and it was a couple hours. He probably had some food then. He was, you know, the nineties, twenty years. Ago. That's all I'm thinking <laughs> about right Hulk now. Was born. <laughs> That's the year. <laughs> what great factoids you have. Um, but no, uh, so super, super interesting to just watch them do their thing. I think for us, uh, I think that the best takeaway of it was just. Seeing them both, like especially I thought with uh, the last minute or so, uh, they were people who tried to utilize that time to really maximize uh, a great show for the crowd. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the hardest part about the, the 20 minutes is if you don't have that patience built in for you, for the average viewer, it is confusing and it might be a little boring. But it's a, it's a marathon. Yeah. And and there is a strategy, there is just a, there's a great competitive level and to see two guys who know that when you get down to it go for it. And I I, I applauded them for that. I thought that was kind of really cool to see toward the end of that match. Yeah, they were definitely both working hard, you know. Hats off to them. They, you know, if you want to be an opponent of uh, Braulio's performance, then you know, you're probably going to say, well, he didn't, he wasn't offensive enough. He was, he was replacing guard consistently for 20 minutes on the best passer, arguably in the world. That's incredible. His guard is ridiculous with a messed up hand. He was doing one hand and Adolfo passing one of the best guards in the world for 20 minutes straight. It's going to be tiring. They're trying their best. Absolutely. You know, the, the, I'm sure either of them would have loved to have armbarred the other person or just somehow finished. They would, they would have done it if they, if they could have, but they, it's just too much. You know, they were, they're just both so good. And after 20 minutes of just straight, just going for it, then, you know, you're going to be tired yeah. and, and at least, and they still went for it at that, that, like yeah. I said, the last minute, they like Bradley knew he was, he hadn't done much offensively. So he threw out the arm. He was yeah. like, you know, that could have been a finish for him, uh, for Rodolfo against him and that, you know, could negatively, I mean, nothing's going to take away from the prestige that is Braulio's career, but people do look at that stuff and will have like a less, a lower opinion of your grappling ability, which I think is ridiculous because anyone can lose on any day. And, That's true. you know, sometimes you are trying something because you want to make it more exciting and, you know, the people should be, that should be held against people. So, so you're saying he's the anti-shop. 
He is the opposite of Shop. Yes. Okay. Just, <laughs> I'm, you know, just putting words in your mouth. That's all. <sighs> Kevin, are you ready for the final match? Like, Kevin- I am really ready for the final match. I've seen the final match, and I am excited to hear what it was like live. Here's what I want to know, Kevin, and we'll get to our view about it being live. But what was your view on the final match? My view of it. And I'm going to really ask you guys some questions is it looked like Aoki wasn't in the same grappling league as Kron. And here's the reason I ask. And John, it sounds like you're going to be the most knowledgeable about the possible history here. Okay. Has Aoki beaten anyone that I would know of, or have we seen him compete on a grappling level that we know? Yes, he, he did compete. Uh, God, I, I always I'm pretty confident, but I would I would fact check it on Google first. But I'm pretty sure he did compete in maybe like a nogi grappling tournament before, like I want to say maybe like five ish years ago, and just got the floor. Uh, he just got uh, the the floor was mopped with him. <laughs> okay, like pretty 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 severely. If I if that's what I remember. So I didn't think it looked like the uh, the mat had anything to do with the submission. It looked like he already had the guillotine in. What was your guys' viewpoint? Did the mat disrupt it? What was the what was the ruling? Let's start with this. Uh, it was very awkward that they were going uh, that direction to begin with because it's an elevated mat, so it does have a, a different feel to it. Uh, the fighters were explained the rules and they were told that if they go off the mat, they're disqualified. So somebody, and I don't even know who it was. Did, I, was that ever figured I, out? In my write-up, I just wrote a, a bystander. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if he worked for the event and saw no. it happening and tried to save it or if he was a fan, just some guy like yeah, he had I thought nachos he was a fan. in his hand and like, <laughs> was passing by and like, oh, I better be the platform now. It was, was really weird. I was so astounded that some guy just like, Captain save a hode his way into it. And as I'm watching him get up, as you mentioned, you're thinking, oh, does he work? Is he part of the show? Is he part of the event? Like, did they get somebody whose job was to, if they look like they're falling off the mat, you get over there. You act like a little prop to them, okay? I, I, you know, that's a valid question. (laughs) I I have no idea. He was really snappy to jump jump his back in there like he'd been trained for it or something. It's really weird. (laughs) It's got to be a weird way to train when you go back. Uh, He's part drummer, part platform support (laughs) is the probable official title. I think so. But, uh, okay, in terms of uh, the submission getting uh, completed, uh, it looked like he he was working toward it and he would have, essentially gotten it if it was a little bit more closer to the mat with like no question but the fact that space was kind of a, a weird kind of thing we weren't sure like we from our vantage point and we had great seats it was a little confusing to see just because especially when you have you know drummer uh stump dude walk in to lend a helping hand uh but aoki took the the high road during the press conference and said it was independent of anything. Uh, he, he had it in there and it was just not his day, which honestly, yeah, I, I think there's a small amount of uh, consideration just that it was that close to the edge. Um, but I, I mean, to us, it looked a little confusing just at the front, just because of how quickly it happened. And, you know, who's going to say, a Gracie is going to get disqualified 
at this tournament, question mark, uh, is a consideration as well. That was something that some people had put out there. But I think that's a little uh, far-fetched. I, I, I think he did lock it in uh, independent of it. But it, it was super weird to see. It was. Uh, I mean, I think I think people that follow grappling know that Chrome uh, Gracie is a phenomenal grappler. Yeah. And in this format, same, just like I was saying, like he, you know, he beat the Ottavio Souza in this format, who is the current world champion for his weight class, and and then recaptured that again this year. Chrome uh, Gracie is very, very good. Uh, definitely an elite level grappler, arguably one of the best in the world. And most people knew that there was a distinct uh, mismatch here coming into this. Uh, it, being a great grappler for MMA is completely different than being a great pure grappler. That there's definitely a mismatch there, and, and most of the people in the grappling community know knew that going in. And that's just because. There's just a difference between MMA grappling and pure grappling, and that's not to take anything away from what Aoki's done in MMA. That's a, it's just a separate skill set to to be able to tie someone up and not get punched in the face repeatedly. It's just different. Like you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that stuff with straight jujitsu. Uh, so it just changes the landscape of the whole thing. And even if you're the most amazing grappler from MMA, but you've never grappled outside of that really at at least at a high level and they throw you in with the best pure grappler you're probably just going to get the pants beat off of you and uh, i mean there's no way that this fight would have ended with a different result but i just hate the way that they didn't let it in cleanly it just seems like have confidence in Cron. Cronin was going to beat this guy like, th- and beat him quickly. I, they, I think they stood up for like four minutes and tried for takedowns on each other, and that didn't work. So Cron just pulled guard, and within a matter of 30 seconds, I think, he had Aoki tapping. That's just as soon as it goes to the ground, basically, he had him mm-hmm. tapped. And just to see it weirdly happen the way it did, where, where, yeah, where it's just – it's. I mean, to the spectators, at least, like maybe there was a better view of it on the live feed. But being there, I know myself and most of the other people that were around me were very confused. I thought that the ref came in to stop it and reset it in the center because he was obviously falling off the side and couldn't do anything, let alone try to escape. Uh, but then they stopped it and then they just raised Crone's hand and it was like, oh, okay. It, it Just to let that just if there's that level of confusion and they didn't want to restart it, it I don't know. It it just kind of taints it for me. So I definitely think Crone would have won, uh, but you know I just like to see it done without controversy, especially if it was their headlining thing. And, yeah, that know. was the toughest part is the, the the placement of it as the the main event and then just looking and going, oh, it's over. Yeah, uh, that that was strange because. At least with other things, you could see it a little more definitively. And the fact, I don't know, I just, I've never seen anything like that in my uh, admittedly uh, brief experience in, the, in that realm. But just enough to the point where even if you and I could come to the conclusion in two very different ways with different perspectives, uh, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Sometimes looks like a duck, walks like a duck. Yeah. It's good. Uh, that's it's- what's. It's probably a, a duck. Is that how that saying goes? 
It's like you finished my sentences, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that that in itself, it was good to to get a submission finish uh, on that respect because uh, there was one brave audience member who yelled out, uh, I think toward the end, or precursor to the, the, the final match and was just, yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see a submission here. And I'd like to... <clears throat> to propose something if somebody yells that out especially at a jiu-jitsu tournament i think there should be an adenum to actually just say okay would you like to demonstrate on one of the 12 fighters on this uh card uh a submission finish for us that'd be fantastic just have at it we'd love to see what you're about to do he'd choose job though <laughs> and he, he might have a chance <laughs> was about, oh, God damn it. don't give him the option <laughs> Uh, but it turns I, out he was an aggressive Gracie Barra black belt or brown belt. Like and honestly, something. that's the whole thing is you you realize that room is comprised of people like that. Yeah. But I I tend to believe that person probably was that right. person who yells it out probably doesn't fully do the sport to the extent that the people who do do it probably not. Just a guess. Yeah. And if he did, then it's like, well, then you're just a shit of a human being. <laughs> and learn how to choose your times to yell things out. Uh, but I think as a whole, Kevin, what are your impressions of Metamorris after hearing all of this information? Oh, it's – I really love the idea of making a spectacle of high-level jiu-jitsu. And it adds some legitimacy to the sport that I think is very important. I think, IBJJ, I think IBJJF needs competition. I think Metamorris offers a great alternative that is very exciting to watch. So I'm, I'm as big a fan of this round as I was last. I like that we got to scrutinize it more, but I, I, I still think it's just such an awesome concept. Awesome. Uh, what was the thing you were most jealous of, just based on the things we were talking about tonight? Oh, it's hard to say, really, <laughs> um, based off of sitting in front of Yahoo. To your unbelievable close proximity to some of my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu heroes and idols. And did anything else exciting happen while you guys were there? Uh, you know, we did the, the pros press conference, which was nice. And, and we got some good information. And we, we discussed that there. We might have also went to an after party, but that's no big deal. You might have went where? Oh, uh, it's nothing, but we might have went to the after party. You say the after party like they had like a sponsored after party that was clearly no, no, they weren't for the entire competition, and that was where everybody would be hanging out. No, well, I, I don't know. It was sponsored. It, it was well, it. I I think it might have been. Oh, okay. I I just didn't pay attention because there were just so many people there uh, that you would know from. Uh, MMA, and you know, I'm trying really not to to brag about this, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, you can tell it was an event. I'll tell you this much, Kevin, because here's the thing: Uh, all of the people that you saw on the card, for the most part, were there, and you know, these people deserve their own privacy. So we're we're not going to tell you all the things that you know we witnessed there. I will, however give you one juicy detail I wish I had Raph's one juicy detail music I could cue right now to blast into this segment <laughs> you, you should try being in the same room with him when he says that 
Guys, it's probably a little creepier live than even it was via mic. You know. Hey. First off. <laughs> that, was a, off. that was a definitive yes. Hey. <laughs> What's the juicy detail? Hey. I, you know, I'm trying to, like, actually preview this and use a full register of my voice, unlike the two of you guys, mm. clearly. Okay. So, so sorry. <laughs> Range. Uh, but yes, there is one, and I'm trying to do this like fucking TMZ does it. Like that's always I do. That guy's always like, hey, there's one juicy detail tonight on TMZ. So fuck off. Anyway, you want to hear what it is? Yeah, pretty badly. Okay. I can tell you with some certainty from my eyes to your ears that there was possibly dance battling going on at this after party and that the person with the best moves may have just done very well at the world's he may have taken a gold or two i'm not sure in fact actually i think i'm absolute about it interesting Interesting. So, I think I'm picking up on your clues. I think but that's for all I those of you playing along at home, leave a comment on the website. Let us know if you uh, think you can crack Rav's code here. I love the fact that like we have the the discrepancy and deciphering what it is I just said of the same akin that you would do a highlights magazine maze. Can you do those? I can. Oh, oh, John! You had to show me the secret. Oh my God, John! Do you? We we work so hard on all of your words I, that we were I saying. I used them goodly this you time. Did. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, I, I think Kevin. Do you have any more questions about Metamorphs? No, except to say thank you, guys. This was uh, this was great. Good dialogue, good uh, reviews, and I'm as jealous and hateful of both of you as I could possibly be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, on behalf of both myself and Kevin, we want to thank John for coming with us. Uh, this wouldn't be at all a technical discussion of what happened. In- oh, our fans are aware, ref. They know exactly what it sounds like without <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they know that our little dog and pony show is usually like, so the thing I took away from Metamorris, I'm only going to do this in a minute. I figure it only deserves a minute review. Yeah, British Rob's like facepalm on the, the forehead. Yeah, I think that was it. We did a meme, so I think that'll take care of our coverage of the event. But no, no, seriously, uh, we, we were very happy when you agreed to come with us. And uh, I would highly implore all people who do train to go with their instructor to an event like this or just an actual competition, uh, it really opens your world because there's nothing better than being able to process it yourself but have someone walk you through it as well. And uh, I I just want to thank you so much for providing that knowledge and that base uh, while we were over there. It was very helpful. Oh, too kind. It was honestly like... It was, oh, don't worry. I'm getting to the mean parts next, so don't worry. Fantastic. <laughs> no, it, it was my pleasure. I really had a, a great time. So uh, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem, man. And Kevin, uh, we do have breaking news to announce. Yeah. Uh, because John did such a good job here, 
we can now officially announce uh, that he has uh, he has received another job, and uh, we, we another assignment. Yep. Let me guess. It's something to do with just you two going to witness a cool event again. Um. Well, well, you could say it's not. It's more than a event. It's it's a couple. It's a couple of them. Yeah. It's multiple events. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's gonna start at the UFC Fan Expo, uh, July fifth and sixth, and it's gonna culminate at UFC one sixty two. Of course, it is. I think I've I think I've heard of that. At, that was it the ultimate. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I think they've heard they've the ultimate fighting. championship. It's very popular, John. Oh. Uh, I think you and Raf are fully aware of where you're going, and I don't hey, appreciate I did, your condescension. I didn't explain. There's a championship involved. How would anybody know? It's the ultimate. Oh, people know Raf. People know when Anderson Silva's fighting. People in Japan know there's a fight coming up. But some people don't the know that aware. July is the biggest card they always have every single year, and they really go balls out to try and give you. You know, I've said too much. I, I you want to hear it? I hear it as bragging now. I didn't hear it before. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Yeah. Now that you say it out loud, you can feel the knife. Hey, but don't you think it's good that I have somebody who knows what they're talking about coming with me? Nah. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm not completely 100 against the idea. I just you know. Yes, and uh, I think just to close out the night, let's let's do this. We want to thank the good people at Metamorphs for allowing us to go to this event, cover it. Uh, I think very extensively here. Uh, and it was our hope that, you know, we're not going to kiss their ass, but uh, we we do feel the same way about that jiu-jitsu practice in terms of the purity of competition at that level and the idea that something like that, a, a tournament like that, not just, you know, could exist, but should exist. And I think there's a place for it. And I'm glad that we got to have a discussion of the good things and the bad things. Uh, with the hope that as we see more of these things, the discussion of bringing in a champion uh, for Metamoris and other things to come from it in the future, uh, we love being able to have this discussion. I think it it hopefully tries to get the, the sport in a place that's a little more popular uh, for something that we all love. So hopefully that's uh, that's going to help in that uh, we, we didn't ruin the event by covering it. Uh, that's always my fear. No, I think we're good, and I'm looking forward to more of the the write up stuff you guys did. The analysis was really good on Twitter, so cool. Nice. Can't be bad. Well, Kevin, you want to close the show? I would love to. Too bad I'm going to do it anyway. Ah, oh, I fucking fell right into that. Okay. Hey guys, it's been a lot of fun. We're glad you stuck around. We hope you enjoyed this very, very, very nice discussion of jujitsu and Metamoris. For Verbal Tap, this is Raf Esparza. This is John Evans. And this is Kevin nope. Phillips still uh, working. Uh, good night and good fight. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good job, Kevin. Oh.